And a lot of the women that I worked with who had chronic pain, chronic fatigue, also had a lifetime of absorbing other people's emotions and being in a lot of narcissistic relationships. And we are the only species that trains a certain portion of the population to be exactly what you said, to be vulnerable, to be prey. True or false? Is anger bad? Put in the comments below. Today, we are discovering the transformative power of sacred rage as a profound antidote to narcissistic abuse. In this episode, you're going to learn how to channel your inner strength, reclaim autonomy, and embark on a journey of healing and self-empowerment with our guest, Madeline Eames. She is a psychotherapist, a chronic pain educator, and a breathwork guide for over 25 years and identifies as 110% empath herself. She sees sensitive souls who live with anxiety, pain, and fatigue, and they're often living in relationship with a narcissist or they're healing from a narcissist. You can learn more about her work and how it can help you heal at mindfullivingnow.com. Let's get into it with her. Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, spiritual healing from trauma and abuse for empaths, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, spiritual mentor and author, and I'm empowering empaths in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse and childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. Subscribe now. If you want to grab a free copy of my new book, Empath's Guide to Rising Strong, a human design guidebook, and a mini personalized human design reading, click the link in the description. Welcome, Madeline. So good to have you here. Thank you. So we were talking a bit pre-record about how living with a narcissist can be excruciating for an empath because we feel so much. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into being the receiver of anger. That's our topic today. And then also how we feel anger that is through our healing journey and how we're going to help you embrace that a bit. Um, so before we get into those really, it's really amazing topic today. Can you tell me a bit, Madeline, you're a trauma-informed therapist. How did you find yourself realizing what an empath was and how did that help you? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Thank you for having me. It's been such a, a journey for myself, you know, because I've been in the field of trauma healing for, you know, close to well, oh, oh, close to three decades. And I also work in the area of chronic pain and kind of the overlap um, between them. And, you know, for myself, it's only been, I'd say, in the last five or seven years. Well, it actually was about seven years ago. I was at a family reunion and we were talking, I was talking to my siblings about, you know, some situations in our, our family, some, you know, things that, you know, our upbringing. And I realized very, very acutely that I process things completely different than my siblings. And I was absorbing all the emotions from in the room, from the family, 
from my siblings and my parents. And, and that, that moment for me was such a pivotal moment because I, of course, knew about empaths and narcissists, and I knew these things, but I really downloaded in that moment how differently other people process things than being a highly sensitive person, being, being an empath. And it was like the pieces of the puzzle of my life just, just fell into place. The relationships I had had, you know, the, I was always fatigued and on the edge of burnout. And, and so that began a, a whole new level of, of healing for myself. And since then, you know, I, I've, I've gone on to, I've realized that almost everybody that I worked with, the women that I work with, were, of course, empaths. And had experienced, you know, a lot of trauma in narcissistic relationships. And a lot of the women that I worked with who had chronic pain, chronic fatigue, also had a lifetime of absorbing other people's emotions and being in a lot of narcissistic relationships. And so as I, I moved on to develop courses for empaths, I still realized that there was this missing piece that we were still talking about how difficult it is to set boundaries. And it is so easy to say, you've got to set boundaries, you know, right. especially when you're with a narcissist. But we all know how loaded that is. And we all know we wouldn't be still talking about it if it was easy. Yeah. And it really wasn't until I unlocked this piece around anger and all the layers of conditioning around anger, the energy of anger, that's where I feel like the, the dial really moved for myself and, and also for my, for my clients. It's, it's not a super popular topic, but it's mm. such a necessary stone to look under. It is. Well, it's like the one emotion I always think of Inside Out. I don't know if you've seen that Disney movie, Inside Out. Is that one emotion? I, I, I have, yes. <laughs> it's the, actually the funniest character, I think, in the movie, but it's that yeah. one emotion that nobody wants anyone to ever feel like stop that don't yeah yes that's not and as an empath we put out those fires all the time it depletes our own energy as we put out the you know the anger that may be projected at us particularly in a narcissistic or even if it's not at us we still we still sometimes try to put be the peacemaker and stop stop the conflict yeah, um, we, we like actively put ourselves in the middle of conflict just to stop it and to put it out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And being the peacekeeper in my family, you know, and also not seeing, I didn't see a lot of anger in my family growing up. But as an empath, uh, you feel it anyway because it's there. It's start, such a part of being human. And so we're tuned in to, we can be, myself, I'll speak from my own experience, tuned into that energy, but also realizing it's not being expressed. So it could not be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So I, you're, you're right. I feel like it's the most misunderstood emotion. And it's the one that gets, it's, it's the biggest that gets bypassed the most. I think because we live in a world where anger does look very destructive we haven't had good role models. And we also, in, if you're in the spiritual fields, as, as you are, 
we do talk a lot about self-love and love and love everybody and forgive and all that stuff, which I love, but we can't do that at the expense of bypassing our anger. The, the, it's not sustainable. The research shows so clearly how much it's related to anxiety and chronic pain and illness and chronic fatigue. So that got mm. me really excited about anger. Yeah. Tell me more about that. So uh, since we're all suppressing anger, and there's a couple questions I have around that, but what, so it can actually, if we're holding it in, cause chronic pain? Yes. They, and I, I want to be, you know, careful about that, but it, mm-hmm. it can contribute. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of research around emotion and pain. And it just makes sense, like, because all emotion is energy. And when we continue to swallow it and we continue to, you know, endure and stomach it, that it can turn in inwards, you know, on, turn into tension. Tension creates pain. And mm. we, we know that, you know, for people pleasers, Often behind there, if you're always pleasing other people, keeping other people happy, there is going to be some inner resentment, which is, you know, part of part of anger. And the research is just is just so clear that when we start releasing some of this energy, that we start to ease up on ourselves. The the other thing that I want to just mention is that if we aren't able to express our anger outwardly for you know many different reasons especially as a child because we still feel it we turn it inwards towards ourselves so we shame ourselves we develop a really loud inner critic that there's something wrong with me that I'm feeling this because this is clearly not an acceptable emotion to have right yeah that makes a lot of sense I remember I used to get thinking about my human design chart. We talk a lot about that on the podcast, the open solar plexus. And I just always vividly remember, and I put this in my first book, like playing with friends when the other friends would get frustrated. I don't even remember exactly what the conflict is, but there's always conflict when little kids are playing and it's just part of learning. And I would always be the one that would explode, like literally like the emoji in the inside out character, like fire, like yelling, so much fire. And then I would get right. sent to my room. And then I wondered why, like as a teenager, I would always talk down to myself. This could be multiple things, but it's just an interesting thing that if that was unacceptable yeah. and out of all the friends I was sent to my room, when probably I was just amplifying everyone's frustration and I was the one that expressed it, it's interesting that may, yeah, then I internalized that as I got older and learned yeah. how to quote unquote, like temper my anger or right. the anger. It wasn't even my anger, but the anger. That's exactly. Yeah. So if you're always sent to your room and you imagine that like, it's just such a natural energy that, that you know, comes out, especially, you know, with children, if you think about a child that really wants that toy and you know, and the, the, I mean, it's the child's point of view, but the parent says, no, they often have a temper tantrum. Like there's nothing wrong with them. They didn't get their yeah. needs met. But for you going to your room, then after a time, there's going to be 
development like we often have as empaths of a part that says like that's that's shameful to be angry that's not acceptable in this society and so that's kind of one of the very first layers to get through is beliefs about anger that it's wrong that it's dangerous that you risk you risk your relationships you risk perhaps being abandoned or disliked or criticized all those things even to get to working with with anger yeah that's probably the hardest right to get your clients to open up to work out their anger yes. or through their anger and the very first thing i hear mm -hmm. is i'm not an angry person <laughs> and, and i think it's important because none of us are just angry people but we have this energy of anger that comes through that has a very valuable purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that part of the very first part is to make, to educate people to, to recognize that anger is, it's very valuable and it, it its purpose is protection. And so it, it protects ourselves. It rises up to protect what we value. And if we don't have that access to that energy, it's very difficult to set boundaries and, you know, in turn, like protect ourselves. So we're essentially we're being conditioned to be nice girls and not to protect ourselves and to yes. be vulnerable to other people manipulating us. <laughs> when we're Ex more told like anger is dangerous, stop being angry. Yes, yes, exactly. And we are the only species that, <laughs> that trains a certain portion of the population to be exactly what you said, to be vulnerable, to be prey. Mm. Because when we're constantly people-pleasing, we, we forget about our own, own right to notice where our boundaries have been violated, where our space or energy or our bodies have been violated because we don't have access to that anger. That's, oh, that's, it's there, but we just, just, right. just shut it down. So, so important when I started really, you know, discovering this in myself too. This sounds incredibly important, like to share in parenting somewhere. Have you been on parenting podcasts? I haven't. I have, no. I haven't been on on parenting podcasts. But yes, I can just gonna, yeah. I, I mean, as a parent, right? Because that's automatically what you do is you don't want them to throw stuff in the house. So it's like, how do you teach them? Which is you know, without being, it's like a balance. Like you, I don't want to condition you to be a good girl, but I also like. So this comes to my my next question. Either if we we all have anger stuff, but. For us ourselves as adults, healing through this narcissistic abuse, and it'll probably transpire into how we can help our children. What are like healthy ways to express our anger? Like, how do we deal with the okay. anger without suppressing it and without calling it dangerous? Yes. Yeah. That's such a, a great question because it, what I've seen is the process. First of all, moving through the beliefs that we have about anger and realizing that it has a very important purpose in in our lives that it points us to what is about what we value what needs to be said what's what's being violated 
you know, it, it, what boundary has, has been crossed. And what I've realized, it's not enough to just change. It's good to have the information, but it's not enough to change our thoughts about it because it can be so deeply seated in our body. And one of the things that really also got me into this work was that I saw in the world, there's this, there's a rise of something called rage rooms. I don't know if you've, if you've heard about them. I have. Where people, you know, they get dressed up and they take big baths and they go in and they crash things about. And, and there are so many women going to these rage rooms. But what we know from the therapy world is that kind of just random, you know, without feeling it in our body, that actually creates more neural pathways around rage and anger. So it's like you're lighting up that part of your brain. It might feel good temporarily, sort of kind of like road rage, and never feels good in the long run. <laughs> so, so that really kind of got me, like, got me concerned. And the way that I have started to really learn to work with anger is talking about it, sharing it, knowing you're not alone, and then going into some very deep breath work in the body. So we can actually start to bypass the mind and the thoughts that tell you this is, you know, that this is destructive or it's dangerous and actually start working directly with the energy of anger in the body without having to really think about it. So it was right about the same time that, because it's really normal, it's particularly for women to have anger in and fear around that in their body. At the same time, I started doing a lot of breath, transformational breath work with people. And what I started to notice is that anger would often be one of the first things that would come up, like the tension in the body, the contraction, and the often for a lot of people, the automatic shutdown of it. Mm -hmm. And so when we really started to work through that, through that contraction in the body, that, that a lot of my clients were able to just kind of breathe, with, breathe powerfully into that and start releasing it, either through you know, through breath itself, through sound, through, you know, shaking it out. And often below that would come tears or grief or um, hurt from, yeah. from the past. So sometimes it, anger was this lid that actually protected us from feeling these very painful emotions that were underneath. So I really started just going more with that, with the body-based, breath-based practices. And, you know, for a, a lot of women have felt a lot of fear around expressing it, anger, for, for good reason. It is not ultimately being all that acceptable in our society, you know, being very trained, as I said, to be the good girl. And when we start breaking out of that, well, a lot of things start shifting. And we've also seen, you know, destructive anger, say from, you know, narcissists or even in the world, you don't have to look very far to see anger that's explosive. <laughs> yeah. So, 
it's just normalizing that, working with the breath. And I do particular like breathwork journeys where we get very intentional, not, not random like a, a rage room, but intentional, maybe choosing one situation where, you know, pay, perhaps you've been overridden by a narcissist, maybe multiple, multiple times, not seen, not heard, not respected. The natural response to that is anger. Like, if you think about it, it's, it's very sad as well, and it's hurtful, but, but anger, and it's probably not safe to express that within the relationship, I'm guessing, <laughs> with a narcissist. Yeah. And so when we go in very intentionally with one situation that probably has repeated itself and move through that, it seems to unlock and heal a whole bunch of, you know, situations that have that same pattern. So it's a very intentional process, uh, but it, it's so beautiful. And I've come to just absolutely love working with anger. As someone who never expressed it, I, I absolutely love it because the side effect of this that I've seen over time is that not only do we start to release the tension, release the fear around anger, but things start to work more naturally. So for example, the next time a boundary gets crossed, what I'm hearing from, I don't know it's to myself, is the words just come out. That's not okay with me. And it's like, it's not a big deal because I'm not afraid of it. And the other side effect is that almost, I would, I want to use the word almost instantly, but very quickly, myself and, you know, the people that I've worked with have more access to excitement, to joy, to enthusiasm, because we haven't shut, we, we have a way, when we shut down one end of the emotional spectrum, we shut down the other end. So now mm. there's like passion in their lives and they're having more sex than all these other <laughs> things that I didn't anticipate that being a result of working with anger. Oh, so it's a beautiful life force energy, yeah, that, that you can slowly or quickly start to work with safely and harness it for your own, for your own life, to protect your own life and, and the people that you love. Yeah. That was a lot, but I just said it. <laughs> I love it. I know I'm processing it as you're talking. Yeah, it's almost like the first thought was, Anger is there every day. It's not like, oh, I'm good now. Like, even though we're not expressing anger, that can yeah. still be moments where we feel anger about something, but it, maybe it's minor, maybe it's nothing, or maybe it isn't. We think it's minor, but when you're in an abusive relationship, it is, it is abuse every day. And so you just have to keep like pushing it on the back burner so you don't blow off a bomb, mm -hmm. right? Because you're just trying to keep the peace. You're walking on eggshells all the time just to kind of, Make sure everyone's happy around. But yeah. you have access to this every day. So the rage rooms, I was thinking like, that's cool. But number one, it's not accessible to everyone. I'm sure they're charging people money, right? And number yeah. two, it's not something you can just have a practice every day. Like emotional mm -hmm. growth is like going to the gym for me. So having something that you can practice and do every day that's accessible, which you're talking about the breath work, that's 
that's key. Not, I mean, a rage room is cool, but, you know, that's not the yeah. ultimate solution. No, no, it's not. And, and rage rooms can actually just kind of make things a lot worse in, in the long run when it's not really done with intention and, and, and safely. And, you know, like you said, so many empaths have had years of walking on eggshells. Yeah, and that's not the time that, I mean, empaths are intuitive. They're, they're smart that, that way. Like, you know, we know that it's not safe to express anger. And it's probably not even safe to really feel your anger because it's not, it doesn't have anywhere to go in, in a relationship with a, with a narcissist. And so sometimes it's after that where there's just enough safety in the system or safety in the, the environment where you can start to what I call drain the swamp. And what I mean by that is the, the first few breathwork sessions are pretty powerful because there's, some, there's been an accumulation of a lot of anger. Yeah. And that's just natural over the years. And then once we've kind of drained the swamp, then you have more of an easy access to this, you know, to this energy that gives you the, it gives you the energy to set boundaries. It gives you the energy to what I call like have access to healthy entitlement. And this is a big deal for empaths to say like, my needs are important. I'm entitled to express myself. I'm entitled to a safe relationship. I'm entitled. And even that word entitlement can bring up a lot of stuff, especially for empaths, because we think of the narcissist who's like completely <laughs> entitled. Yes. <laughs> there, there's a beautiful medium, like there's a sacred entitlement. Let's call it sacred. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sacred entitlement to life, to right, like, living life. Yes. Normal human being entitlement. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And to assertiveness or a healthy aggression. And, and I also, you know, for empaths who run businesses or are entrepreneurs, that can be really, really valuable to say like, this is really one of what I'm going after. This is what I want. And for gosh sakes, I'm going to go after it. And, and that's a really exciting energy. And it's along that whole spectrum of, of you know, this, this spectrum that we'll call anger, mm. even though it doesn't seem like it. It's like a life force protective energy that goes for what she wants. Mm. And so that's where things can really start shifting people out of fatigue, out of burnout, out of not just into... I'm going to go back into the box of being the good girl and function and be loving and kind, but like, I'm actually going to shift and change myself so that I'm living the life that I, I'm really here to live. And that, that part excites me. Yeah, that is exciting. Anger is an important part to know, to, to gain that, we'll call it entitlement, to gain that sovereignty and you can't do it. You you can't draw boundaries without that. Because if you're, if you're like, oh, just kidding, like whatever you want, like that's not drawing a boundary. Obviously, a boundary means that I know my worth. I know what I need. 
and I don't, I know what I don't want to put up with. And then I'm going to speak it. Like, so you have to be strong enough in all of that. And yes, maybe a little anger is behind that, especially with someone who's hurt you so many times for that protection. Yes, exactly. It helps us to rise to that. Exactly. That I am worth protecting. And to be honest, we don't even really have to call it anger. I keep on looking for a different word, like a life force energy, like a protective life force energy that says like, like a shield. You're, you're right. Because like, like a, like a a shield that says that's out and this is in. (laughs) Um, and protects our, ourselves, you're right, because there's an energy behind like, I really don't like it when you do that. That makes me feel sad or, you know, the very t- truth. But that's very different than, you know what, that doesn't work for me. Like that, that's not acceptable to me. But then you just know. <laughs> I love that. Without having to apologize. There is a total different energy in that. And that's it, interesting you brought that up because... I think right now the emotional intelligence world is talking about teaching children and even ourselves as we're reparenting ourselves using I feel statements, right? Like you can't deny someone's feelings, but I mean, the narcissist does all the time. So that doesn't really work with those people. We have to draw strong boundaries. I feel certainly can be part of it, but how about just like, no, I'm not going to be around you anymore in this scenario if you're going to continue to talk like that to me I'm going to walk away yes right like that's a much more powerful and assertive boundary that is still being respectful you're not like calling the names or doing anything right you're just telling them how you think you should be treated versus that you know when you yell at me like that makes me feel really bad and you know and then you start to mumble because then the you know the narcissist will totally derail your emotions and de-characterize you and like you just keep going in that pattern so that's not going to work yes yeah Yeah, exactly it's a different language that the narcissist speaks Mm, it's like you have to learn a language that can feel very unfamiliar to to an empath and you know a, a narcissist all you know some just understand the world of threats like that doesn't work for me and i'm not gonna be here if that's the way that it's going to be like that's a very yeah exactly it's a very different energy and it's it's a different language but it's so important yeah I mean what would you do if you had you know if your kids were being threatened or were being treated that way or your your best friend and sometimes for an empath it's easier it can be I know from my own experience it was way easier for me to protect other people than it was to protect myself Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to protect ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. How yeah. long do you think, because there is this perfect section in our healing from the narcissist that contains anger, right? To be able to keep the, the no contact, to be able to stop falling for their traps and stop essentially loving them. We have to have this anger but how long should that anger go on? Because I know sometimes mm. some some forums can keep, you know, survivors and impacts yeah. stuck in that anger cycle, but then they can't move forward out of their victimhood if they're stuck in the anger. Like, what do you think about the timeline? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very individual. And, but even right from the beginning to, to think about telling your story, you know, like, you know, there's, there's a lot in there when you've been, when you're coming out of your healing from a relationship with a, with a narcissist. And so thinking about it, telling the story, but then at a certain point, to step out of the, the place of the victim, you have to step out of blame. Yeah, you have to step out of that, that, that blaming anger that keeps going, going over things. And from there, you use the sovereignty, which I think is a, a really great way to describe coming into my body and looking after being responsible for my own anger now. So now I'm in me. Now I'm moving through my own anger. I'm not caught in the story so much. I'm in my body. And this is also the journey from, from the mind down into the body. Like, oh, I noticed some anger there. What's left? Let me take care of that. And you find the story coming up again, that, you know, thing that happened. Oh, let me come back into my body and see what's left. And so emptying that out, I mean, we have to tell our stories. That's, that's important to share that. And then moving into the body of what is still left for me to heal. And I, I guess that can be, it can be different for everybody. It's very individual. But I think intuitively we know like, you know, and I've probably rehashed that. It doesn't make me feel good anymore. It doesn't, I feel like I'm going backwards when I keep mm -hmm. telling that story. And now I just really want to release this anger. And, and then, then it starts to take on a different energy of, of um, empowerment, you know, of feeling like, oh, I'm really looking after me now. And, and that feels really good. Then you go back to the story. It's like, oh, okay, let's get, let's, let's just like stay with the, the healing now because you will start to notice things start to change and you start to feel more joy, more delight. The resentment and the stories just naturally start to leave on their yeah. own. So, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. In my own experience, it is that the narrative kept shifting a little bit more gradually and gradually as I was like, oh, that feels icky when I say that. Like that was, that was my past self stuck. And now it's not that. Now it's like, I just feel really bad. Like that, mm -hmm. that was a situation that I needed to go through, but I feel really bad that that person that, you know, abused me is still stuck in misery, you know, as you've shifted out yeah. of that narrative and and I've been able to yeah. forgive and release and move forward. And you all that you're listening, you've all kind of reached that. I love that you talked about listening to your body because that's really it. It's like, oh, that, that feels off. Like, that's not really what I believe anymore. Like, that's not really the narrative anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the narrative starts to soften and fade. And, you know, some people have to stay in that a little, a little bit longer. But it starts to feel old. And, and new things start opening up. And yeah, and that's true for all of your listeners. It never, ever means that you're saying that it was okay. It wasn't okay. The way you were treated was not okay. It, and it doesn't mean when you move to away from that story 
that like the letting go of that story doesn't mean that you said it was okay or that you've even forgiven. That's a very personal choice. You don't have to. You could just, but you know, that's a big part of, I'm sure all your listeners that just want to get on with their lives now. Yeah. Without bypassing themselves, like truly healing and, and getting on to the joy and the excitement that, that's, that's just waiting for them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and I always think of different comments that I've seen. It's like, well, I'm never going to ever. It's like, okay, that's definitely intense language. <laughs> well, and you would probably advise your clients, okay, let's breathe through that, right? There's anger right there, that protection. Like, okay, what, what is under yes. there? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's very, pr- very protective. I, under- I understand that when it's very black and white, like, oh, just, yeah, um, never or always are always signs of, you know, it's this, it's really rigid. And sometimes that relates back to childhood conditioning. And there's nothing I want your listeners to know, there's nothing wrong with that if that's your thinking. And, and it can also shift and move. And I would invite people into a breathwork journey and just get curious about what, what is possible for them. What, how much healing is possible? Because the, beyond the, the black and white, because there's so many more possibilities that you can't see from, from that, that thinking. But in the moment, just you asked earlier about something you can just sort of do on a daily basis. Would it be helpful for me to, to talk to touch yeah. on that? Yes, let's touch on yeah. that before we close. Well, what I would really start with for, for your listeners and, and, you know, there's so many of us that have survived narcissistic relationships as, you know, as giving, kind, wholehearted, you know, loving people, which is truly what you are. And so when you notice that, when you notice yourself having a lot of stories that feel angry, it's okay. You know, I ran those stories for years, years and years, and they went around and around and around. And (laughs) I just thought, oh my goodness, I've just wasted that whole walk in nature, (laughs) you know, trying to, with this story, it was just like, oh my gosh, that's when I... I, that's when I thought like, I, I've got to shift something because I'm actually, I'm wasting my life on those stories. And so if, if you notice that, to really come into your body and notice, if you can, like just notice the contraction, notice where you feel tight. Is it your chest? Is it your belly? Is it your throat? And just really start to bring your awareness into your body. And when you notice that tightness, usually those stories are trying to protect you from an emotion that is trying, is yearning to be felt. And so I invite you to come into your body, notice where where that emotion is that's ready to be released and breathe into that area, like breathe into your belly or breathe into your chest. And just start to slow and deepen and expand your breath into your body. And you might go back to the story and then you come back into your body. And more and more and more, starting to live more through expanding your breath into those areas that maybe for years 
have felt tight and contracted. So that is one way to just start working with the energy in, in your body. And you can ask the questions of anger. You, you can ask, you know, what is it that needs to be or needed or needs to be protected? And maybe it's like, oh, my throat needs, to, I really need to express that. And what is it that needs to be protected or what is it that needs to be expressed? And those are two really good questions to ask into anger and start to develop this relationship with it. And start to, I mean, I've done this for a while now. And when I notice anger, I can actually start, I can listen to its message like, oh, oh, thanks. Thanks for alerting me to that. And it might have been something from a long time ago that I haven't yet healed, or it might be something very present moment, like, you know, something that needed to be said yesterday that I need to go back to. So it can be this really good guide, guidepost. Once we've drained the swamp, <laughs> once we've kind of got through and we're able to move, move more with this energy, to really notice it and, and develop this relationship with it. So you can listen to its messages. Ooh, that is amazing. I was doing the breathing when you were guiding us through and I could feel it in my hips and then the hips soften, right? Like I hold a lot of tension in my hips. But that is, yeah, that is really cool. And then finding the time to ask, ask it, like, where's the wisdom here? Where is the wisdom here? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes it does lead up when the anger softens. Sometimes it leads us. I mean, don't go searching for it because it for because it will just let you know. Sometimes mm -hmm. we do get an action, or sometimes there is sadness or hurt underneath that is is ready to be ready to be released. And mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, or like just relax. <laughs> Stop trying to yes everything together and relax. Yeah. I like that message I just got. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So you have this kind of in a guided trust yourself and shield exercise that you're giving away for free. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on um, my website or at, at the link, my website is Mindful Living Now. And I have a practice for empaths around learning, relearning self-trust and, and shielding, you know, because we have so often, and again, from my, my own experience, we question ourselves, you know, and, and go into that ping pong overthinking of, is this real or not? Mm -hmm. Is this really happening? Can I yeah. trust my, myself in this? Like, and there's kind of a feeling of being almost sometimes like not real, like it, and we lose that sense of trust and trust comes back in our body, in our emotions. Our, our thoughts are, can be, can be pretty random. They're not always trustworthy. They're certainly not true. They're yeah. not all true. Yeah. But our body and our emotions are a really good touchdown point for, for self-trust. 
and being able to really, well, the more we develop that, that connection down into our bodies, the more we can learn to trust ourselves and to, to really follow the guidance of our inner wisdom that often comes through emotions. That feels good. That doesn't feel good. And even if somebody's telling me that should feel good, it doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. And that's self-trust. And that's key when you're confused by the narcissist because they, they are experts at playing with words, thoughts, ideas, and the mind. But that's where, mm. I'm going to say it again, your sovereignty comes is within your body. Yeah. Knowing how you feel, yeah. what, what it's telling you and the messages there. I love that. Thank you so much for that. Yes. Yeah. It's so important to remember there was a time where you did completely trust yourself, maybe before things got shut down and you were told that how you were was not okay, or you're too sensitive or you're too much or too whatever, that your self-trust is is still there. We just need to uncover what got in the way of that, of perhaps being having your character be, you know, continually criticized and and clearing away that debris and coming back to yourself, your wisdom, your self-trust is is a beautiful thing for empaths in this world. Yes, it really is so powerful. That's how we're all going to rise together. Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. And now is the time. I do, I do feel now is the time for, I mean, we need, we need the empaths to rise and find their voices and, and heal and, you know, and, and find their, their own true power within themselves. Yep. Absolutely. Now is the time. We're ready. We're awakened. Now we're working on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's no one right way to do that either. Everybody's going to find their own awakening, their own rising. And, mm-hmm. and that's exciting. Yeah. Well, perfect. We'll have that in the show notes. And it's been a real pleasure to learn more about anger. I've learned a lot today. And I think there's some really great takeaways for all of us to not ignore our anger, but allow it to give us a message and to protect us. Thank you. For exactly. That. And be mindful of not turning it in on your own self into, into shame. And yeah, and I invite any of your listeners to join me in a, in a breathwork journey online. And sometimes it's not, you know, whatever needs to come up does come up. And it's not always just specifically anger. Perfect. And they can find to sign up for that on your website. Yep, on my website, or I have a private Facebook group called Women Fully Alive. Mm -hmm. And my eight-week course, Women Fully Alive, starts again in January for anybody who is interested in starting to uncover and heal and just really find their true, vibrant aliveness in their body. That sounds amazing. Great. Well, thanks again so much for being here, Madeline. It was always it's a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to the end of this podcast episode and being an empath member here in the community. If you want to grab a free copy of my new book, Empath's Guide to Rising Strong, a human design guidebook, and a mini personalized human design reading, click the link in the description. Be sure to listen to the Empath and Narcissist Audible book, or you can grab your paperback on Amazon. It is a profound exploration of my journey and healing, providing you with tools for healing as well. The link is in the show notes.